Are you addicted to debt? Welcome to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast, where facts, logic, and reasoning are at the forefront of every conversation. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about, are you addicted to debt? Why are we addicted to debt in the first place? Are our choices to spend money influenced by what we see our neighbors have? What can we do to increase our return on our retirement accounts? Do we have a toxic relationship with money? And lastly, does our self-concept affect how we spend money? So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we delve deep into this issue. Welcome back to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast. And as we did say in the intro, we're going to be talking about are you addicted to debt? Now, recently, I have not done a lot of shows in the past, I say, month or two on any type of financial issues. We've been covering a lot of relationship stuff more recently. But I decided to dip my toe back into the financial market thing here just to see, you know, what has changed since the last time I spoke about it. But we were going to talk about debt in a, in a, a different way. And we're going to talk about it being somewhat of an addiction for some people. And we're going to cover some of this stuff that we're going to go over. I'm going to, obviously, you know, if you listen to the podcast, we do talk a lot about statistics and we cover a lot of numbers. And so I'm going to give you a few of them here in a little bit. But remember, I am not a financial advisor or not a CFP. So just please take this as informational purposes only. You can also do some research yourself or if you want to seek professional help from an advisor or a CFP, by all means, give it a shot. But we just like to point out some things and just give you some tidbits of information. Again, we don't consider ourselves to be experts on this show. But what we're going to talk about first is more of a psychological thing. And it's more like, why, why are we addicted to debt? Why do we have this, this issue where we're constantly feeling the need to go out and buy something or borrow something from someone or, you know, charge it? Or it could be anything, cars, clothes, trips, vacations. You know, why do we get caught up in this sort of a cycle where we spend a lot of money? Now, truth be told, from last I checked, the average household credit card debt, I think at the end of 2022, was somewhere anywhere between $6,500 and $7,000. So that was the, that was the, the average Basically, you know, uh, uh, for a household, household credit card debt. Now, ideally, they always say to try and pay off your they always say to try and pay off your credit card debt every month. But if you're not paying it off, you better be paying more than that principal. I mean, more than that uh, interest on the card or else you'll be paying it off for years and years and years. But let me run by some numbers real quick just to let you get some information on this. Almost listen to this. Almost 20 percent of car payments are now $1,000 a month. Now, if you were to say, even if you just went back 10 years, 10 years ago, would you think that we would be paying $1,000 a month on a car payment? 
now it's starting to become a little bit more normal. The average credit card, I mean, the average car payment length is about 77 months, which is a little over six years. It's about six and a half years. And you're talking about $1,000 a month. You know, that's, you know, that's a lot of money for people to be spending on a transportation. Uh, older women have the highest credit card debt, and they pay an average of 20% interest. The average, this is, this is what's really strange here. I'm gonna go, we're going to cover 401k things here in a second, but we, listen to these couple of these statistics and get your input on it. Older women, I mean, the average return on 401k balances in the past five years has been just 1.5%. That's, I guess, annually. And for every dollar invested in 401k plans, people are borrowing up to 40 cents on a dollar. So they're literally borrowing from their retirement at almost a 40% rate. And lastly, 60% of the country, and this number has went down, it was 70%, but 60% of the country lives check to check. So with all of those numbers and all this being said, back to the question, why are we addicted to debt? Well, there's, a, there's multiple reasons as to why. We're, we're inundated with a lot of commercials, TV shows, different things that show people with things that we might want. So we might see some, you know, it might be a reality TV show where they'll be driving in a nice fancy car, living in these big old houses. But again, if you heard me on the show, I tell people all the time that they don't own any of this stuff. A lot of it is leased for the show. And so they don't own it. But when we see that people living a certain lifestyle, we want to emulate it. We want to copy it. We want that to be us. A lot of the, the, the marriage rate has dipped dramatically, a lot of it having to do with finances. People thinking that, you know, one or the other, whether it's the male or the woman, aren't making enough money to live a lifestyle. And you hear me on this podcast all the time talk about, are we choosing lifestyle over love? So are we picking these superficial things over actual being in love with somebody and not willing to go through, you know, a little bit of a struggle? You know, you know, they say nowadays, and I don't know how true this is, but the newer generation of, of people here, I guess the Gen Zs and some millennials, don't want to stick it out in a marriage. They kind of want everything to be sort of prepackaged where the guy or the girl has the money and the career and the job, and we already know these things, and we just go into the marriage like that. No one wants to go through the, the struggle, I guess, is what they say. So in order to look to certain part, because like I said, when you walk around out here and you see people here in the streets and you see them walking around, it looks like they have it all together. They look like they have money. They're dressed nice. They're walking around with nice clothes, fancy cars. Some of them are driving nice, fancy cars. But there's, you know, it can be an illusion. You know, this may not be exactly uh, what, you're, what you're seeing on the outside is not necessarily what's going on on the inside. So these addictions to this credit, to, to, to debt, and I won't just say credit card debt, but I'm just saying debt in general. Because debt can be car payments, it can be home payments, it can be all kinds of things. Uh, education loans. It's a variety of different things. But the reason why we're, we're having some of these issues is because I think a lot of us really are seeing other people with stuff. And then we just figure that we should have it too. Or we should, we're supposed to have it or something to that effect. And we just feel like, hey, if they're doing it, why can't I do it? So... And on top of it, like I was saying, you know, with a lot of the advertising that we see, 
we're inundated with so many different ads trying to convince us to spend money on a variety of different things. So it's 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 tricky. I mean, it can be it's it's not easy to not be influenced by what we're seeing sometimes on TV, but we have to have some level of discipline to prevent ourselves from being in a jam. I've truth be told, I've known several people I've spoken with in the past who came to me for help who had over $25,000, $30,000 in just credit card debt, and they had other debts as well. And, you know, the first question I always ask them is, how did it get to this point? You know, how did y'all get to the point where y'all owe this much on credit cards? And, you know, they, they explained it to me. You know, some they went on trips. They bought nice clothes, cars, different things. And before they know it, they looked up and they realized that they owed this much. And they were spending almost, you know, they, you know, paying off those credit cards. Even when you pay the minimum, when you have that much of a balance, the minimum might be two, three hundred dollars. You know, depending on if, if you have it on one card or you have it spread out through a bunch of other cards. Either way, it's not a good idea. So when I was saying that, you know, we're we're influenced by our neighbors sometimes when we see them. You know, if you if you have someone who lives near you or, you know, if, if someone lives on your street or lives in your neighborhood, you go on the assumption that all of y'all have the same, roughly the same amount of money because you live in the same neighborhood. So what happens sometimes if we see somebody in our circle of friends or people who we come in contact with on a daily basis, get something that, you know, it, it could be a car. So let's just say, for instance, it's a BMW or Mercedes SUV or something like that. Our first reaction is like, wow, these are people who live next to me. If they can afford this, you know, why can't I afford it? And that's, you know, where we get into envy. And the definition that I like to use for envy is not the, the, the dictionary definition of envy, but I just look at it as like when we devalue something that we already have. So if I was to sit back and say, you know, I have a Mercedes and but mine is two or three years older and then the new ones come out and I feel like I have to have it because the guy down the street bought it and I go to trade mine in just to, you know, that's envy. I already had a Mercedes, but I'm devaluing it just because a newer version of the car has come out. So that's what we're talking about when we say, you know, we, we might envy our neighbors or people who we live near. It could be family and friends too. When we see them with newer things or nicer things, we may want to also have those things. And when we see them with it, we automatically assume if they can afford it, sometimes we can afford it too. Not realizing that we may have to go into debt. We may have, we might be one of those 20% that I mentioned earlier that has a, a car payment of $1,000 a month. And for what? Just to say that we have a nice car, a nice vehicle? It doesn't make any sense. So these are things that we have to be more cognizant of. You know, we can't be concerned about what our neighbors have. Another thing is why are we in the pockets of somebody else anyway? We just need to be concerned about our pockets. As I mentioned some of this 401k stuff earlier, and I was talking about this, this is pretty interesting. You know, we got people who are, you know, not investing properly in it or they're, they're, they're borrowing from their 401k plans. And we're going to talk about that here shortly and how they can increase their return on their investments. But we're doing a lot of this robbing Peter to pay Paul type of stuff that's going on. There's a lot of that. 
we're borrowing money from one thing to pay down a bill or something else. Then we have to pay that back with interest or a higher dollar amount. And we're kind of squeezed in the middle. You know, we're like sort of, we're, we're going from one, into, one, one extreme to another. And I'm not sure why that's the case. I just, I, I don't know why people are doing what they're doing. I think part of it is a variety of different reasons that I can maybe think of, but I, I just think people just, they have access to capital. So they're utilizing it. You know, that's what makes America and a lot of westernized nations, western nations, first world countries. We're first world countries because we have access to capital. We have access to debt. We can borrow money and pay it back because we have a stable financial system. And because we have that stable financial system in place, we can borrow money and look the part, even if we don't necessarily have it. So there's certain things we can purchase and we don't even have, we don't even have the money for it, but we can just pay it back monthly. And we'll justify it. We'll, we might say something to the fact that, oh, they were offering 0% for 12 months or something like that. So we'll go ahead and buy certain things that we probably don't need, but more or less want. And we figure, well, it only is going to cost me $60, $70 a month to pay it back. And as long as I pay it back, hey, I'm good. But that's not always good for you. Not always good for you. Now, let me get to this thing here. What can we do to increase our retirement accounts? As you don't notice, I did mention that statistic over the past five years, 401k balances have only increased on average about 1.5%. Now, why is that happening? Well, there's a few reasons. One, people are putting it, we're putting it in sort of safe investments, sort of bond investments before the interest rates went up. And they were paying those bond investments that they were investing in were paying 1%, no less than 1% in some cases, 2%. They're paying very low, but a lot of people had a lot of their money tied into those particular investments. And because of that, they didn't get the growth of the past 10 years of the market. But the growth of the past 10 years of the market has been very good. And they missed out on maybe 10 or 11% growth when they only got like 1% or 2% by investing it in these sort of safe investments, these, these bonds, that weren't paying as much at that time. Now, obviously, interest rates have increased and went up. So, you know, maybe that'll change here in the future. But for back then, they just didn't get a high return on their money because of that. Another thing, too, that people make a mistake doing is they try to time the market sometimes. So when the stock market went down last year, a lot of people move their money to some of those safe investments, not realizing it was just down for that one year, because if you look at this year, it's up so far. So had they just left it alone, the biggest enemy to our financial success or financial wealth is us. Because we like to put our hands on things and touch these things or these investments. And if we would just put them in an investment, let's just say the S&P 500 or maybe a total stock market investment or an international investment or even a balanced uh, mutual fund where it mixes a mixture of stocks and bonds and don't touch it, we'll get a good return. Because I think from just looking up some of the numbers, we literally 
I think the market has returned nine or ten percent over the past what, eighty plus years, and even a, a balanced, a balanced fund has done about maybe seven or eight percent. So if we would just put the money in those type of investments and don't touch it, literally don't touch it, leave it alone, we would be okay, you know. And we our returns would grow a lot faster than what they this one point five percent that people have got over the past five years even though the stock market has done way more than that during the same period of time. So we tend to be our own worst enemy when it comes to figuring out a way to increase our returns. Like I say, the best thing to do sometimes is just leave it alone and don't touch it. Don't touch it. So when we're jumping in and out trying to time the market, well, it went down, I got to pull it over and put it in the safe something when it goes up. The problem is, is that you don't know when it's going to go up and you don't know when it's going to go down. So there's no way to really predict what's going to happen with this. You just can't tell. The other issue that's occurring with this 401k balance that we're seeing is that people are borrowing money from their 401ks. They're borrowing this money and almost 40 cents on the dollar. They're borrowing it, not meaning that's the interest they're paying, but that's how much they're taking out. That is a very high number. No, you will not have enough to retire on if you keep pulling out almost 40% of what you're investing. It's going to be hard for you to live off of that because you don't pull so much of it out and then you have to pay it back. Now, what a lot of people do is saying, but yes, this is the excuse I always hear other people say, I'm paying myself back. Yeah, but you've taken away that big chunk, that balance. You know, the hardest thing to do when it comes to any type of an investment is just to try and get to $100,000. So if you're starting from zero and you're going to 100000 that's not easy. It takes, that's what's going to, that's the hard work. That's the uh, dig in the ditch type thing to a point where once you get to $100,000, the money starts to grow a lot faster. But if you keep borrowing from that 401k and slowly paying it back, it's going to be hard for you to even get to that point. And even if you got to that point and you keep borrowing it, the money can't grow because the money you pulled out is no longer growing. So if you take $20,000 out of your 401k and you had a $100,000 balance, now you have $80,000. So whatever growth you're getting is on $80,000, not $100,000. So it's best, again, to leave it alone and don't touch it. It's hard to tell that to people because a lot of people really believe they're paying themselves back. And you'll hear them say that. Since I'm borrowing the money for myself, I'm paying myself back. But money has to grow. It needs you can't, you can't keep pulling it in and out. It has to have that ability to grow when the market does go up. So that's where people are really being destroyed when it comes to their 401k plans. They keep going in there, grabbing it, and, and using it for a variety of different things. Now, I've heard people use it for, you know, they, they have to do certain things uh, in and around their home. It might have been an emergency. I've heard a lot of people say they've used them for emergency purposes, but that's the purpose of having an emergency fund where you should be able to save a few dollars a day and tuck it away into something that you have access to, something that you can tangibly get your hands on, you know, within a day or two. So it should be money that you can easily access, you know, because we have a situation to where if something breaks in your house or something, a major repair, you got to repair it, you know, it could cost you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars. Well, you need to have some money like that readily available 
just in case something, you know, disaster strikes, because disaster always does strike, and it usually strikes in multiple, you know, one on top of the other. But if you have an emergency fund, you won't have to be borrowing this money from your 401k. Emergency fund can start off with just $1,000. It can go up to twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. just depends. But you should have that in place just in case something bad happens. And it only costs, you know, maybe a few bucks a day that you can save to help build up your emergency fund. It doesn't cost a lot of money to do this. So it is something that you can easily do without you skipping, without missing a beat. You could, you could easily, there's nobody out here who can tell me that if I took $5 a day from them that that's working and considered to be middle class, if I took $5 a day from them and put it in some type of a savings account or any type of a CD, you know, some CDs are paying 3 4 5% now, and just tuck that money in there, that they would miss it. They would miss it. Because we spend a lot of money on frivolous things. And I could go through a list of them, but I won't. But we do spend a lot of money on frivolous things. The next area I just want to talk about is just do we have a toxic relationship with money? Toxic meaning poison. You know, meaning like, are we the types the second we get it, we spend it? You know, because toxic relationships with money cause marriages to lead to marriages to get divorced. They cause a lot of arguments and fights in marriages. You've heard us on this podcast say if a couple is arguing more than once a week about money, that the chances of them getting a divorce is about 30-40%. If they keep having these conversations more than, you know, like basically twice a week, they're arguing about money. And usually it's because somebody, or maybe both, in that relationship have a toxic relationship with it, meaning that they don't know how to manage it, they know how to spend it, but they don't know how to save it. They're putting more money out than they are bringing in. And that's when you get into that robbing Peter to pay Paul thing, as I had mentioned earlier, where we borrow from one thing to pay off something else. And we might borrow from the 401k plan to pay off the credit card bills that we ran up, saying that I got rid of the high interest stuff and I'm paying myself back, but our net worth is dropping. Because our net worth is assets minus liabilities, that's equals our net worth. That number is going down. That number is going down. And as that number is going down because we're engaging in these types of behavior, that's a toxic relationship with money. The expression, hustling backwards. Basically, we're never really able to get ahead because we keep doing these types of, we keep engaging in this type of behavior. You know, I was reading a book recently called The Psychology of Money, and it just talks about how our behavior with money is our biggest problem. You know, 80% of it is us, you know, and how we behave and respond and act when we're dealing with money. And so that it's partly our fault you know, because of some of the things that we do. You know, it's, it's our, our fault and how we behave with the amount of money that we have. So, you know, sometimes we feel like we get a, we do come into some money. We might say something to the effect that, oh, well, I come into some more money later on, so I'm going to go ahead and spend this. Not realizing that you may not come into any more money like that for a while. So I think that's why part of the reason is we have this toxic relationship is, you know, we'll sit back and uh, talk about these things. And but we don't realize that, you know, we're actually hurting ourselves when we engage in spending more money than we're actually bringing home. We're hurting ourselves in the long run. It feels good in the moment. It does feel good in the moment, but we are hurting ourselves over the course of the long run. Another area I do want to talk about 
is our self-concept and does our self-concept affect how we spend money? Now, just to give you a quick insight, a self-concept is essentially made up of three things. It's your self-image, your self-ideal, and your self-esteem. Those three things make up your self-concept. So your self-image is how you see yourself. Your ideal self is the person you want to be, sort of, and your self-esteem is how you feel about yourself. Those make up your self-concept. So sometimes if we do come into money, we get a big load of money. Sometimes we'll go out and spend it. We'll blow it because that money, it pushed us out of our self-concept. That's why you'll see sometimes you'll see some people who win lotteries in the millions. And then in four or five years, they're broke. They don't have any money. They had to file bankruptcy because they're so far out of their self-concept. They literally will engage in behavior to where they give away the money. I know that sounds crazy, but they will literally give it away. You will hear people have bought six, seven, eight cars. They give cars to people who are their quote-unquote friends. And they'll do all these in, in behaviors, not realizing that eventually they're going to have this, this money. The money's going to go run out. They're not going to be able to keep doing that. And when the money runs out, they're going to be stuck. And they're not going to know what happened. And the reason why they do that is because they're so far away from what they're used to having they don't know what to do with it, and so they literally give it away. You know, you hear a lot of times we see certain athletes had the similar situation where they were making money, and then when they stop playing, they go bankrupt. Well, the reason why that happens is because when they had the money coming in, they were just spending it. You know, because they were, knew they would get some more, so they just kept spending it. But eventually, you're not going to be able to play forever. And if you don't have a plan when you retire from the sport, you'll still be in, your, say, your 30s, early 40s. It could be a rough 20 years after that if you don't have something to, you know, fall back on, as they say. So that self-concept, that self-image, self-ideal, and self-esteem plays a huge role in our relationship with money because how we feel about ourselves and how we see ourselves and what we want to be will determine will determine how we will get when we get money how will we act and behave and we have to have those things in check we have to feel good about ourselves we have to see ourselves as a valuable productive person and we have to feel good about ourselves we have to have a level of self confidence without being overconfident and if we can do that our money situations will get better. They will improve over the course of time. If we stay disciplined and focused, we have a goal in mind, and we continue to put that money in an investment that can give us a decent, solid return over the course of years. You know, one of the best things that uh, I think it might have been Warren Buffett or someone like that said was that the best kind of money to make is when you're making money when you're sleeping. And that's true. Because if you're making money when you're sleeping and that interest is growing, that's money that you don't have to work for. That's money that will grow on top of money. That's the compound effect. The compound effect is when you, your interest rate starts to grow. And then at some point, if you have an account that's been open for years and you've been saving and putting money in there, eventually the interest is more. You make more money in interest than what you actually put in. And that's the compound effect. That's how investments work. So if you can do those types of things and continue to, to go in that direction, 
you won't have some of these problems that you see some of the people out here living who are struggling with some of these things that I just said, that high credit card debt, that high car payment, taking money out of their 401k plans, not getting a good return on their money because they're so caught up in the consumerism of the United States. And lastly, just because a person makes a lot of money, don't go on the assumption that they're rich. 17% of people who make six figures live check to check. So just because they make a lot of money doesn't mean they're good stewards of the money. So you have to keep that in mind as you're going forward. Well, I'm going to wrap up and I did want to cover this topic. Like I said, it's called, are you addicted to debt? And I, I just wanted to let people know that, you know, th- it doesn't have to be this way. Little small changes that we can do to correct some of our behaviors is a, definitely a bonus. And if we just make some of those small, subtle changes and save just maybe three, four, five dollars a day, we can build up an emergency fund. And then after that emergency fund is built up, we can use that money to do other things. We can start to invest it in something else so that we don't have to be in these situations where we keep borrowing money and paying high interest rates, 15, 16, 18, 20 percent on a credit card. It's ridiculous. So just keep that in mind. Lastly, I just want to say thank you to the audience who've been continuing to listen to the podcast over the past month or two. Our audience has increased and you've got a lot more new subscribers. And I want to say thank you to them for checking us out. I'm doing the best I can with this. And I keep telling you I'm doing more. I'm going to start doing video. But I've had a few minor setbacks, you know, that we had to fix. But I think we're going to be on point here in about a month or so. And we've got some more exciting things coming down the pipe as well. So with that being said, until we meet again, see ya.